This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so you got to have your thinking caps on a little tonight because we're going to go, um, we're going to go a little bit outside the box of what you normally, your pattern of thinking and how this world works. Um, I, I heard a good word today that, that you should always be a little bit outside the box because when you're in the box, that means life is over. Okay, in the box, life is over when they put you in a box, right? So you have to be a little bit out of the box every once in a while. Okay, so we should all admit to Hashem, stay out of the box for at least uh, 120 years. And for sure when Mashiach will be here, we'll be out of the box. So it's good to stay out of the box once in a while. Not totally, but a little bit out of the box. Anyway, so listen to this question. This whole shir is based on a shir from my favorite, one of my favorites, Rav Shimshim Pinkus, Oliver Shalom, Tzchusa Yogan Aleinu. And he talks about this shir that's on Elul, and it totally blew my, and I'm a little out of the box, it, to, it took me totally out of the box. So, listen to this, it's a very interesting shir, very, very different. It's a brand new shir, I never spoke about this before. And he asked a question like this, his question is, um, you know, we spoke about Elul, I need Lidoidi right? I am to my loved one, and my loved one is to me. Which sounds very romantic, very nice, doesn't sound like something you should be thinking about in Elul. In Elul it should be, I'm scared of Hashem, I'm scared of my Averos, I need to do tshuva. What's this love business? I know, I am to my loved one, my loved one is to me. It sounds like a poem, right? So, 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 what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean? So we spoke about, and Baruch Hashem, I got a lot of good reaction. We spoke a few weeks ago about putting your hand out when you're crossing the street and you're this little kid on Queens Boulevard and the cars are going back and forth and you can't cross and you say, Hashem, Help me cross. There's so much in life. There's so many problems. There's so many things going on. I can't go through life on my own. And therefore, I need an adult to hold my hand. And and someone even sent me a, a text message, uh, not an email, and, and they said very nice that when an adult ca- holds a child's hand to cross the street, they don't let go. You don't let go of the kid in the middle of traffic. You know, I once had a teacher that told me, Wallstein, you know, get lost in traffic. But, but normally... <laughs> Normally, right, um, you, you, if you're the adult crossing the child, you don't let go. So, so he says, like, it's such a good analogy because when Akash Baruch, when you stick your hand out and you say, Hashem, I, I can't do this myself. I need a shidduch, I need a refu, I need shalom bayas, I need chill, whatever it is, I can't do it myself. I'm standing here looking at all this traffic, it's making me crazy. And you put your hand out, you know that God is going to hold, Hashem is going to hold your hand and He's going to cross all the streets and all the rivers and all the things that you need to cross in life. As long as you're holding His hand, He doesn't let go. But you have to put your hand out. We spoke about that. So he asked a new different question. And his question is like this. That, and, and I spoke to the boys. Oh man, last night that I let them have it. Wow. I had, haven't done that in a long time. And um, I don't, it doesn't mean you should go listen to the tape because half the stuff I said I told them to erase. So don't even bother calling, you know, to listen to the tape from last night. But I really let them have it. And part of what I let them have is what, I, what, what I'm a little bit going to tell you about what I said. So I, I said the following, that that, um, so, so this I need a daily, daily, you know, you're not allowed to, the word love, right? You know, so, so some people think that's a dirty word. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to use the word love. It's a terrible word. Well, my, so we, we know that it's not a terrible word because Ahava, Ahava Sashem. This Ahava, you know, uh, this, Ahava, the word Ahava is used by Yehav, by Yehav, uh, um, Yaakov is Rachel. What does that mean exactly? We had a long time of share about it. Didn't love Rachel. He loved, about Rachel, that she had no eyes in, in the spiritual sense that she felt that all her children should be equal and there shouldn't be Yehuda for Malchus and Kuna, whatever it is. But he, he, he we, we see the word Ava is used a lot in the Torah. It's used in Atfila. It's used a lot in Ava Hashem, right? Right? So, so in the Shidduch world, which I deal with a lot with boys and girls, so there's, there's always this problem. It's not really a problem, but it's like a problem because guys get coached by by their roommates, you know, what they're allowed to say, what they're not allowed to say, and the guy, you know, he's telling her, you know, don't show her your, your, your they're all coaches, you know, don't show her your emotions till the eighth day because she's going to break your heart, and, you know, so you don't know when the boy on the date, what he's saying, you don't know where it's coming from, is it coming from him, is it coming from his roommates, is it coming, from, where's it coming from, right, so one of the rules, for the girls that don't know, one of the, one of the rules that most Rabbeim and Rosh Hashivas believe, and, and, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, they're probably right, is that, that you, you're not allowed to use Lush and Chiba, Right, which is um, lushens of, of of love, sort of, with a girl uh, until you're married. In other words, you shouldn't be on your fifth date because guys, that's how we are. You know, on the second date, we're ready. I love you. I want to marry you. We're very impulsive, right? So, so we're told that you're not allowed to say, you know. So, so the girls like. 
coming back and saying to her parents, like, I don't know what's up with him. You know, we went out ten times, and he's trying to say something, but it just doesn't seem to be coming out. And, like, he's not showing me any emotion, you know? And he's like, um, I like my, my, my soda, and you're sort of like my soda. <laughs> and she's like, you're comparing me to your soda? Like, what are you trying to say? Well, you know, I like my soda, you know? So, like, soda I like, and you like a soda, so... A plus, you know, if A equals B and B equals C, A equals C, you hop what I'm saying, you know? It's good that guy doesn't write Hallmark cards. He wouldn't do too well. So, so, they're not allowed to use that word love. That's not allowed to be used until, until you're married. And a lot of Rabbanim feel that way. And, and I guess that, you know, they're right because, you know, that's a very big word. And then once you start to get into all those emotions. So, so guys are allowed to say, I like you. I like you very much. I like you very, 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 very much. But they're not allowed to use the, the love word. But we see over here, right, that, and, and the reason is that until you're married, like, what does that word mean altogether? And then when you get married, your parents tell you, well, I, I, one, of, one of my rabbeim got up at my brachas, right? And this is where he, and he, and he was speaking, I don't know what he was speaking about, whatever it is. And he goes, love, love shmov. And I was like, uh-oh, like, you know. So, mm, you should make the wedding on the 50th anniversary, which is true, because when you first get married, what did the other person do for you? Where are you at? You don't even know where you're at. You know, everyone else got married. You're also getting married. If your mom is together for 50 years, right, and it's really good, that's when you should spend the money on the band and the flowers and invite everybody, because that means that it really worked. What are you spending all the money? You don't know what's going to happen, right? So so he got this whole story, and like, by the time I walked out of the shower box, I was like, Hello? This was like, you know, a Leviah, you know, it wasn't like a, like a Shevard Brachas. But he was like, he was like crushing this word love. So, so where do we come up with this? I love you, Hashem. You know, I need Ladoidi, Ladoidi Lee. We gotta earn that. We gotta date. We gotta go on a couple of dates. We gotta get married before we make that statement. So, so Rav Shimshim Pinkus's Kasha, which is a beautiful Kasha, is like this. The whole Elo, right, is a preparation for Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah and the Seretz Tshuva is a preparation for Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a preparation for Sukkot. Sukkot is a preparation for Shemini Atzeret Simchas Torah. So in, in, in Kabbalah and in, in, in Chazal explains that all these steps, sort of Elul is the, is the beginning of the dating process, right? You start, you're starting to go out. Then comes Rosh Hashanah, that's Malchus, Zichronos, Shofros. It's a different kind of relationship. Then comes Yom Kippur, right? And then after Yom Kippur, we're on such a high level, we're so excited about the, sort of say, the chasen, right? We're so excited. After Yom Kippur, it says that between Yom Kippur and, 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 and Sukkot, those are the days of Noah Averis, because you're so busy doing the mitzvahs, Lulav, Esrik, all these things are brought down in Kabbalah. It's all parts of getting connected to Akash Baruch Hu. You're leaving your, your household. You're going into a sukkah. There's this, it's sort of chuppah, actually. Sukkah is chuppah. Chuppah has to be outside. Right? And it has to be not with a, a roof. And, and a sukkah also has to have a portable roof. The walls can be, can be stationary, but just like the chuppah, you open the window, right? So there should be nothing between you and the stars. And you're supposed to see the stars. The top of the sukkah is the same way. So sukkah is chuppah. You're out in the chuppah. And that leads you to the marriage, which Hashanah Rabbah is the marriage. And then comes Shmini Atzeres, which is Yichud. Shmini Atzeres is the holiest day of the year. Many of Chazal say the holiest day. In Israel, Shemina Tzeret and Chastorah is the same day, right? It's the holiest year. It's the Yichud. What's Yichud? What's the Yichud room? The Yichud room is when the Chassan and Kala are finally married, committed to each other, and it's just the two of them. By the chuppah, there's this rabbi making a bracha, and you're all nervous which finger to put out. And I keep telling the Chassanim, they all make the same mistake. A girl's ring is on her ring finger. When you get married, this is for all the guys that are watching, I don't know why you're watching, but when you get married, so the, the rabbi tells the girl to put out her index finger. That ring that you're putting on her index finger doesn't fit her index finger. It fits her ring finger. So they stand there, and when they put it on, they're pushing, and she's like, ow, when they're pushing, and I'm like, it's not for that finger. Only when you, for the, then you take it off, you put it on the ring finger. And so when I'm under the chub, I'm able to save you your index finger. If I'm not there, he might break it. Because they don't chop that it's not supposed to be, just, just put it on. You can't push it all the way down. 
But, but Shmini Atzeres, so, so then, you know, it's Mazeltov, and they break the glass, the singer has to do all his singing, right, with all these new songs, and, and now they have choirs and 15 guys singing, I don't know what's going on. And the Chassan Kyle's like, let's just get out of here, like, you know, let's get this over with. And then, he breaks the glass, and everybody's screaming, and they're all dancing, and the Chassan forgets the Kala for five minutes, and she forgets him, she's kissing her family, he's kissing his family, his friends are jumping on her, and I'm always like, hello, you're married. You know, you can't go up with the guys on the right. You gotta walk down with her, like, you know, because everyone's jumping on him. And it's like crazy. And then all of a sudden you go into a Yichid room, they close the door, no one's allowed to be in the room, they check out the room, you're fasting, you sit down, you eat, and it's just the two of you. That's Shmini Atzeras. Just us and Hashem. Even if you look in the Tefillah of Sukkis, you'll see that in Musaf, when you say the Korbanos that we bring, it's 70 Korbanos for the whole world. We bring carbons for 70 nations of the world. Shmiyat Saras, we bring one carbon. It's just us and Hashem. It's the Yichud room. So the question that Rosh Hashim Pinkus asks is, if the destination, if the destination of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot is to get to the Yichud room, where every rabbi and every rav and every Rosh Hashiva and everybody agrees that in the Yichud room there is nothing wrong with the chassan telling the kala I love you and the kala saying back I love you. There's no rav in the world that will tell you that a husband shouldn't tell his wife he loves her. There's definitely no therapist that's going to tell you that you shouldn't say that. And there's no, and there's no rub in the world that's not going to tell a wife that she's not allowed to tell her husband that they love each other. So once you're in the Yichud room and you're after the wedding, then you're allowed to say those words. So the question is, but you can't say those words when you start dating. And Elul, the first day of Elul is when I first start building my relationship to get to the Yichud room. So Rav Shimshon Pinkus al-Vashlam asked, how could you say, Anilidoidi? I am to my loved one. You're not there yet. You're starting in Elul to get to the Yichud room on Shmini Atzeres to say Anilidoidi. And if you start Elul at a point that you already have that relationship, I love you, Hashem, you love me, so then why do you need all this Rosh Hashanah and Kippur and Sukkot? If you're, at, you're starting at your destination, where you're going. Pleadika question. An amazing question. If that's where I'm starting, that I love you, Hashem, and I, so then, why do I need everything in between? If, if I'm going to end up in the same place that I love you, and I start I love you, so why do I need everything? It's supposed to be a build-up to get to that point. So why do I need to start like that? So, I think it's very important, and I spoke to the boys about it last night. You know, I talk a lot about GPS. I like to learn from, you know, from things. I, I get it over the head. I, I spoke in a bungalow colony to a bunch of women, and it was a Shalom Bayat speech. So I opened up my speech and I said, you know, you ladies, you must wonder what us guys want. See, I'm a guy speaking. I'm not a lady speaking. I'm a guy speaking. So I can tell you what we want. You know, you know, you think we want this and we want that. We don't want much. Really, guys, we don't want much. We really don't. We just want you to do whatever we say. No, but we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't really want much. I'll tell you what we want. So I, I, it was a Chesidish It was very funny. So I said, I said, all, all we want is, that our wives should be like our GPS. So they're sitting there, and I'm like, you know what GPS is? You put it into your car, you, where you're going, and it pops up, it says 50 miles, 62 minutes, right? It's, it's fantastic. I said, what we want, what, what, what we like about the GPS, what white guys, we like the GPS, is because no matter what you do wrong, right, the voice on the GPS doesn't yell at you. Doesn't get nervous, doesn't say you ruined my whole life, doesn't say anything, it just, you know, you go 20 miles, you're supposed to go to Brooklyn to the wedding and you didn't take directions because we don't take directions, guys, and your wife tells you, take the directions with you. No, no, I don't know, I know where I'm going, I know where I'm going. And you end up, instead of going to Williamsburg, you end up in the mountains somewhere, right? And, and she's screaming, I told you to take the directions, I told you to take the directions. And instead of that, the GPS, like, it tells you, in a quarter of a mile, make a right. And then as you get to the right, it Mamish counts it down, 500 feet, 250 feet, 100 feet. You're here, and then it makes a noise when you're supposed to make the turn. And the Meshuggah guy, he's on the phone, he's thinking about business, goes right past the turn. Right? Now, you would think that the GPS is going to start screaming, Idiot! <laughs> What's wrong with you? How can you do this? I told you to turn. I even made a noise, right? Recalculating. <laughs> nice, feminine, with an English accent. Recalculating. 
And then, it's like, please make a legal U-turn. Your wife's in the car and like, what did you do? Make a U-turn right now. But, but this car's coming in, the police, I don't care. Make a U-turn right now. And the GPS says, please, like when you get a chance, make a legal U-turn. So I said to these ladies, they said, that's all we want. We just want you to be a GPS. Don't get crazy. Don't get nervous. We make a mistake. Recalculating. We'll work it out. We'll figure it out. So they laughed, they laughed like you did. But you scared of me. You're scared of me because you always come to my shroom. They're not scared of me. So one lady got up and said, okay, and what are you guys going to be like? Like, if we're the GPS, what part of the car exactly are you going to be like? I'm like, I'm not even going there. Forget about it. So... So the, the interesting part about a GPS is that it's not enough to just type in where you're going. The GPS satellite has to know where you are. Because if you type in um, an address in Muncie right now, right? I want to go to the wedding in Muncie. I want to go tonight. to this. So I put into the address 240 Locust Hollow Drive, right, where I used to live. So the GPS is going to tell you, take the George Washington Bridge, take the, take the Palisades Parkway, take the throughway. But if the GPS doesn't know where I am and it thinks I'm in Florida, it's going to tell me to take the southern, the, the, the southern turnpike to the Florida turnpike to 95. Shalom Aleichem, I'm in New York. What are you talking about, right? And if, if it thinks I'm in California, it's going to tell me, tell me to take the Pacific Coast Highway. There is no Pacific Coast Highway over here, right? That's only in California. So the GPS has two parts to it. Where you're going, but also where you are. And I think that the major problem, if there is any problems in our society today, is that everybody has planned out where they're going, but no one has any idea where they are. So therefore, because they don't know where they are, they, the, the derech that they take to where they're going is such a long way around and has so many detours and so many cliffs and so many oceans and so many rivers that they have to go over that if they knew where they were and they knew where they're going, then they could plan it out. But no one has any idea where they are because they're busy on the cell phone, they're busy on the, online, they're busy with this, they're busy with that. So I have no idea where I am. So you know what? I know I want to be this and I want to be that. But if you don't know where you are, then it's going to give you the wrong directions. So how does this tie into what I'm saying? So in Elul, right, when we start Elul, and this only works in spirituality, it doesn't work in the physical world. When we start Elul, right, we are saying, where am I? I am, this is very, very important, because this is the opposite of, in, in this world, in the physical world, if you want to build the top floor of a building, a penthouse, 25 floors up, you got to build a foundation, a first floor, and a second, and a third, and a fifth, right? If someone comes to you with plans for your house, okay, I'm a new builder. New Age Building, that's the name of my company. We're going to build your attic first. Then we're going to build your third floor. Then we're going to build your second floor. Then your first floor, then your foundation. You're going to like New Age, New Age, out of here. You're not building my house because there's no such thing. There is no such thing. You have to build up. You can't build down. But that's only in this world. In God's world, in the spiritual world, you can build the top floor first and then build down. What are you talking about? What am I talking about? Because Baruch Hu created the earth. Right? Toilet Aretz Alblima. The world is hanging on nothingness. If you look at the earth, right? Science helps us look at the earth. There's nothing holding it up. Hashem built the top floor of the earth with nothing underneath it. And Neptune and Pluto and Mars and the moon and the stars and the sun... He built the sun, but there's, I understand you build the earth on top of the earth is Mars and then the, and then Neptune and, 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 and all the Saturn and all the different planets and Pluto, right? And then on top of that, you built the sun. No. There's nothing under the sun. There's nothing under any planet in the world. Which means that in Hashem's world, there doesn't have to be a foundation. You can build the top floor without anything underneath. But, once you build the top floor, that's when you start, in other words, you're either going to build up or you build down. In the spiritual world, there's something that Hashem gave us the ability to be able to build down. What do I mean? And this is how he answers his question on Elul. You can make a decision when you do tshuva, 
right? My father, Ola Shalom, used to smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. He used to wake up in the morning, before he opened his eyes, somehow he was already smoking. In his sleep, he took the cigarette, lit it, and inhaled it. That's the kind, he was a very heavy smoker, my father. When he was 35 years old, he went to the doctor. He was coughing, he was coughing very bad. He went to the doctor. First doctor he went to gave him a whole schmooze for three hours on the dangers of smoking. And then when my father was like, I'll think about it. If I'm going to stop or not, the guy took out a cigar. My father said, you're the doctor and you're smoking a cigar. And you just gave me a whole schmooze. He said, I'm, I'm not stopping. Then, like a few months later, he went to this other doctor. His mom was coughing his brains out. And he went to the doctor. The doctor took a long x-ray. He didn't give my father a schmooze. He didn't tell him anything. He didn't give him mystery of kids, this, that, nothing. He didn't say nothing. He put his his uh, lung um, x-ray on a light box. And he said to my father, I want you to look at your x-ray. His lungs, there was no white. The black on the side of the x-ray and the black on the middle of the x-ray was the same black. He said, these are your lungs. There's no white in your lungs. Your lungs are totally black. You're not going to live long. That's it. He didn't even tell, me, he didn't even tell my father, you're not going to live long. He just showed him the picture. My father took his two packs of cigarettes and he threw them in the garbage. He never smoked a cigarette again. From three packs to zero. Why? Why? Because in spirituality, there's a chidush, there's something new. That you don't need a foundation. You can make a decision, you can, you can sit in here tonight, right? Sit in here tonight. I, I'm just giving this an example, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about Facebook, but just for instance, right? So, so there, there are girls that are working on you know, I heard his schmooze, and, and I'm different, and, and it doesn't affect me, and all these different stories, right? And they're thinking about it, and they want to read more about it, and I'm a da 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 You know what? They're never going to get off Facebook. Because they're trying to build a building from the bottom floor. I need to understand it, and I need the foundation, and I need... And then there's somebody that just says, no more Facebook, I'm done. Why? What? Who? Where? Here? Here? I don't know. Rebel Austin, maybe he's right. I heard a speech. There, there. I'm not even thinking about it. It's not good for me. I don't want it anymore. And you think that that decision is not going to last because she has no basis. She built no structure. She didn't give it a lot of thought. It was a decision I made. Just the opposite. It's the sun. It's the moon. It's suspended. The decision is suspended without a foundation. In the world of spirituality, that's the way to create it. You just make a decision. And, you, and I can tell you from my life. You just make a decision. It's not... It's usually the ones that stick is not from a speech and not from all these thinking and thinking. Because if you're thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking, we can talk to women about dieting, right? Because that's something you know more about than I do, right? If you're thinking about dieting and you're studying about dieting and maybe I'm going to diet and maybe I'm going to go to a nutritionist and maybe I'm going to do this and maybe I'm going to work out and da 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 and should I and shouldn't I and does it fit it right? It's never going to happen. You're going to start one diet then go to another diet then change the diet then go off the diet go back on the diet. But if a person... Just makes a decision. I am changing the way of my life. I'm not eating less anymore. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm changing my life. Without all the stories, without all the mices, that person is going to change their whole life. What do you mean? How? What's the foundation? What's the support system? How are you going to do it? I made a decision. What happens after the decision? When my father made a decision to stop smoking, because he saw what his lungs looked like, now you got to build the other floors. Now you got to figure out, so now that I stop smoking, how am I going to do this? I have to have something in my hand all the time. So I'm going to start chewing gum. I'm going to stop going out with my friends that smoke. I'm not going to go to bars and places where they smoke. I'm going to make sure that I don't hang around people who smoke. I'm going to make sure that there's no cigarettes in my, in my house that I could reach for. I'm going to get rid of all the ones in my house and all the ones in my office. So after you build the top floor, which is your decision of what you're going to stop, now you got to build the floors underneath it to support it. But you don't have to start with the support to get to the top. Because usually if you start with the support to get to the top, you'll never get to the top. You'll stop on the second floor. So now if Shem Shem Pinkis answers Elul, he says, you're right, in the real world it doesn't make sense. If I'm starting off loving Hashem, then why am I traveling through Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot to get to a point where I'm loving Hashem? My destination is my starting point. And the answer is no. Elul is the time where you built the top floor, where you came to Anila Daidi I am to Hashem and Hashem is to me. I love you, Hashem. You love me. We have a relationship. How am I going to? 
How am I going to keep this relationship with you? I have a Yitzhahara. I like to do things that are wrong. Uh, you know, I, I, I get depressed. I got this. I got that. So now that you made your decision and you built this top floor, now you need from Elul through Rosh Hashanah and you're working on yourself. I'm going to change it through Yom Kippur, through the mitzvahs of Sukkot. You're building the support for the top floor that you built from top. So therefore... The Anila Daidi Daidi Li, that I love you. To, I'm, on, I'm in Yichud. I made a decision today that I'm in Yichud with Hashem. It's me and Him. It's just me and Him. The two of us. But now, how am I going to live a life just the two of us? How am I going to live? I got, I got, I got televisions. I got movies in my room. I got all this kind of stuff. How is Anila Daidi Daidi Li? So now it's going to take from Elul, Rishkodesh Elul, till, till Shemini Atzeres, all that work to figure out how am I going to live Without movies, what am I going to replace my movies with? How am I going to get rid of my movies? What's going to happen when my friends invite me to go to movies? And that's all the support stuff that you have to build underneath the top floor, which you started in the beginning of your trip. There's a, there's a Hebrew expression. I forgot what he said, Rav Shimshin. But it's, 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 it's you, you got to know where you're going. If you know where you're going from the beginning, because Machshav is Kemais, if you know where you're going in the beginning, then, it's, then, then, then the destination has been reached even though you're not there yet. It's a hard thing to understand. It's a little bit out of, out of space and time. But in Machshava, a person's Machshava, and that's why Tshuva is based in Machshava. And that's why when a person does Tshuva, you can go back to all the things you did wrong and you can change them. You can go back to what you did in the past and you can change it, which is a crazy matana, a crazy present that Hashem gave us, which we all give, Din V'cheshben, on Rosh Hashanah. God gives you a chance to erase everything in your movie. And you didn't? What's wrong with you? There's a famous story that Dugma Magid says about this king, and he had these three very best friends, and, 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 and they got drunk one night, and they went into his vault, and they stole a lot of stuff from him. They stole a lot of stuff from him. So when the enemies of these, of these guys found out about it, they said, oh, we're going to go to king. We'll tell the king what kind of friends he has. And of course, if you get caught stealing from the vault, you get hung. So they come to the king and they say, you know, your three best friends that you think are so nice, they went last night into your vault and they stole all your stuff. And the king hears this and he knows, you know, they got drunk, what am I going to do? So he sends a messenger behind everyone's back to run to the three guys to tell them, get rid of, I heard you stole, I'm Michael you, it's fine, I'm Michael you. But I can't be Michael you if you're caught with the evidence. Get rid of the evidence. Throw it over the bridge into the ocean. So, next day the police come, they arrest these three guys. They bring them to court. They say, okay. Empty out your pockets. So first one empties out. I don't have anything. I don't know what you're talking about. And he winks at the king. You know, thanks for warning me. The second guy's like, I don't know what stealing from what? Drunk. What are you talking about? I don't know anything. They check his pockets. They check his, 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 his backyard. They go through his house. There's nothing there. He says, thank you. You know, you love, thank you. You know, we're really good friends. Thank you for warning me. Third guy, they go through his pockets. He's got a gold ring. The king's crown. The, the, the queen's necklace. They go to his house. The king says, you, you're going to hang. Not you're going to hang only for stealing from me, but that you have the chutzpah after I gave you a chance to get out, to embarrass me that my friend, who I protect all the time, right? I gave him a chance to get out. Now in front of the whole kingdom, I'm being embarrassed that my friend is a ganath. What kind of friends does the king have? You deserve to die. So the Dogma Magad says, when we come Rosh Hashanah, Hashem is angrier at us. Not that the Avera that you did, that's bad enough, but I told you that until Rosh Hashanah, you could throw it in the ocean. You could do tshuva, you could get rid of it. And you come Rosh Hashanah to Shemayim with all the bad things that you did? And, 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 and I'm the one who's, who's giving you a chance to get rid of it and throw it into the ocean, to get rid of all the Averas, and you coming? That means you don't care. That you're, it's, it's a rebellion against the king if you don't do tshuva. So a person who comes fishing, of course, to Satan, you tell her, what does he tell you? He tells you, nah, Elo, you don't have to do tshuva. You do tshuva Rosh Hashanah. Oh, Rosh Hashanah, you know, a lot of people coming over, you have to help your mother. You do tshuva, seriously, you made tshuva. Oh, you do tshuva on Yom Kippur, right? And he just pushes it off. Well, you got Hashanah Rabbah, and then they say you got till Hanukkah, and then some rabbis say you got till Purim. You know, Purim's like Yom Kippur. And you know, before you know it, you're up to the next year and you didn't do tshuva. So a person has an unbelievable present. You can go back. You know, I always tell you the story of my Cracker Jacks. You know, when I was 12 years old, I went to the store and I bought Cracker Jacks. And I knew they weren't kosher. And I did it on purpose, not to get angry at Hashem, but I wanted the prize. And, and, and I didn't want to do batashchis. 
a big Avera. Do Baal Tashkis? How can I do Baal Tashkis? You know, I wanted the prize. The Yitzhahara also worked on me in those days, like he works on everyone else. You know, you, you do that Avera because you want to do a mitzvah. I bought the Cracker Jacks and we take out the prize and throw that all in the garbage of Baal Tashkis. So I'm going to eat the treif. So I ate the Cracker Jacks. And then for some reason, a few years ago, Yom Kippur, I don't know why, at the break between uh, Mincha and Ne'ilah, it came back to me, you know, remember what you did? And I felt very bad. I said, Hashem, ah, today I would never do something like that. I mean, I had all this good food I could have eaten, fruits and everything else. I had to go in, in your face and buy Cracker Jack for a silly little prize. What was it? A little whistle that I got. What I get? A magnifying glass. To do an avail like that just for now. And I, and I felt very bad about it. And I said to Hashem, I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. I know I hurt your feelings. Ah, it wasn't, it was stupid. I was 12 years old. Maybe let me get away with it. You know, I wasn't by mitzvah yet. But I really feel bad about it. So after 120 years, you know, when the Sultan comes to play my movie, and he's like, ah, Wallerstein Cracker Jack. You know, it's just, it has titles, you know. Wallerstein, September 17th, 4.30, the Cracker Jack kid, you know. We got him. And they put it on the movie, and the is like, Okay, everybody who thinks Wallerstein is something good, come on, I want to show you what he did when he was 12 years old. And everyone comes flying in, they're like, oh. And they all sit down, they have kosher popcorn, they're going to watch my movie, right? And it comes to September at that point, whatever it is, and there goes Wallerstein into the store, and the Yetzirah is like, watch this, right? And he's all excited. And Wallerstein walks into the store, looks at the Cracker Jack, picks it up, the box, looks at it. No, not kosher. Puts it down, goes to the Reisman Cakes, Takes out a Reisman cake, right? In those days, they didn't have a Reisman cake, but they had something kosher, right? Takes out a Reisman cake. Everyone in the store. Oh, man. And then an Alamichi, and the Sultan standing is like, what movie did you bring out? Like, what are you talking about? I was there in the Cracker Jack box. Because, girls, every time you do an Aveira, he's there with you. He's the witness. He's the one that got you to do that marriage. You can't say, I didn't do it. What do you mean? I was with you when you did this out there. When you went online and you did this, when you spoke Lashon Hara. I was there. So he knows what you did. He's like, I was there when Wallerstein ate Cracker Jacks. What's this Reisman cake with Alamichi business? And he didn't even make a brach on the Cracker Jacks. What are you talking about? And Hashem's like, I don't know. That's the movie. That's what it shows. Because I am Kipper... 30 years later, he felt bad that he ate those Cracker Jacks. And since a machshava, your thoughts are like your deeds in the next world. So when I thought, oh my goodness, if I would be at that age now, I would have never, I would have made a bracha, I would have made a lamichya, I would have never eaten those Cracker Jacks. They go back in time, all the way back in time, because things aren't built up the way it is in the physical world. And they change that whole thing around. And it's not that Hashem can't lie. can't make up a story. Actually, it's hard to explain this to you. But actually, I, on that Yom Kippur, went back into that store, did not eat the Cracker Jacks, made a bracha on the Reisman cake. I actually did that. In the other, in this world, I didn't do that. But in the other world, since in my Makshava, I did Shuva, that's what I did. What a crazy, not normal power God gave the Jewish people called tshuva. You could go, I'm sure none of you need to do tshuva because you're all tzikaniyas. But if chas v'shalom you did something when you were 12 years old or whatever, you could go back if you care enough and feel bad. You could go back and change the whole things. I told the boys last night, you know, because the Cracker Jack thing didn't get to them. So I was like, just imagine, you know, this guy and he, and he wants to meet this girl and they made up to meet in a park on Shabbos, away from everybody, and he's going to do every Avera you could imagine. And he hasn't, you know, and 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 and, and did every Avera you could imagine. And he comes and he grows up and he does a real Teshuvah. And he feels bad and he can't believe he did that. And Hashem, and he does a real Teshuvah, Me'ava. Only because I love Hashem. Not because I'm scared you're going to burn me and you're going to fry me. I'm not scared of that. I, I'm doing it, Hashem, because I hurt you. I hurt you. You give me everything. And look what I did. I hurt you. When they show that movie... Of him going to the park, he's going to be freaking in the next world. Oh my goodness, everybody close your eyes. You know, turn the lights on in the movie theater. Turn, I don't want anyone to see this. And his malach, his defender malach says, calm down. Don't worry about it, you did tshuva. And they're going to get to that point, he's going to be walking to the park, right? And as he gets to the park, he's like, oh my goodness, I know what I did. And oh, I'll never, oh, right? He makes a right, he ends up in the base medrash. And he's sitting and learning. The two hours he was in the park with the girl, he's sitting in the base medrash learning. Because he did a tshuva me'ava. Who in the world, 
Who in the world gives anyone a chance like that? Oh, Hashem doesn't love me. Prove me that He loves me. He's giving you a chance to not only erase everything you did wrong, but to change the whole movie. They take the movie into the film room, and they cut it, and they paste it, and they change it, because you did tshuva. So any person who doesn't do tshuva, you deserve a patch. You deserve to get what's coming to you. He gave you a chance to erase everything and to change it, and you didn't? What's wrong with you? So I wanted to call my the, the, the name of my shir, the anatomy of the Eight Sahara. you got to study the Eight Sahara. He is so brilliant. He is so brilliant. You want to hear crazy? I shouldn't say this on tape. I should say it on tape. I said it last night. I erased it. But I'll tell you, I won't tell you both stories that I said last night, but I'll tell you one story. Just to say, you should never get fooled. You should just understand the power, the power of the Yitzhahara. So, there's this married woman. This, this situation came to me. Baruch Hashem, I get all these great stories. Um, so there's this married woman who's having an affair with a married man at work. Okay, that's bad enough. That's pretty bad, right? Okay, okay, she told me it's just an emotional affair. It didn't get physical yet. Okay. Like, I believe it, I don't believe it, but, I, you know, I don't, can't judge anybody. Okay, because all emotional relationships end up being physical. But, Baruch Hashem, she says it's not, and therefore she can stay married to her husband. Now, this guy, this married guy, who's having an affair with this married woman, Jewish people, right? This is, this is what he told her. And this she came back to tell me. And I just freaked out. I, I can't take it. I just can't deal with it. But, it, but it's the anatomy of the HR. You have to understand how he works. So this guy, who's having an affair tells this woman that he's having an affair with that ever since he got involved with her, right? He's cheating on his wife. Ever since he got involved with her, his relationship with his wife has gotten much better. (laughs) Now, I'm looking, this is a mature woman who has a brain, right? She's a professional. I'm like, can you say that again? (laughs) What did you just say? She said that ever since... I met this man, and we're sinning, even emotionally is a sin. I said, if it's not a sin, would you go knock on the door of his wife and say, Hi, I'm the other girl in his life. She'll shoot you. Right? You're not going to tell her that. So if you're not going to tell her, don't tell me that there's nothing wrong. The married woman, you know, emotionally involved with a married man. What are you talking about? Unless you're willing to tell the wife. And if if you're able to tell the wife and she's not going to do anything about it, then she's got a problem also. But you're telling me this guy had the chutzpah to come and tell you that since I'm doing this Avera with you, my relationship with my wife is better. So she thinks that she's a Tzadikistah. So you're out of your mind. You're all laughing, right? This is a mature, normal human being. You're committing an Avera and you're thinking that that Avera is helping this woman? I said, you're a goddess. I said, you're stealing every moment that you talk to this man. He should be talking to his wife. You're a Ganif, you're a Goslin, you're an adulterer. Oh, I let her have it. I'm, you know me. I'm not Mr. Nice Guy. You're going to come to me, boy. And you're, if you're going to say, listen, I have Paiva, I do have Avis, we'll try to help you. Don't come to me and tell me you're doing a mitzvah. You're helping, the, by having an affair with, you're helping, you're helping this other woman. This other woman would like to kill you if she ever found that. So the Yetzahara, the new Yetzahara of our generation, and the Yetzahara in my crackerjack box, is like, you can't throw that out. Baltashchis! What, what, what was I crazy? What was I thinking? Like, it's Chazer Treif. What do you mean it's Baltashkis? I should have taken the prize and thrown it in the garbage. But this is his Koyach. He's brilliant. He is brilliant. Now that I'm all excited, <coughs> that story followed a story that got me even crazier. But I'm not going to say what I said last night. No, I'm not going to say it. Because it was a mistake what I said last night, and that's why it's not a mistake, but it's not for the public, and I'm, I'm in I'm in public. Another girl came to me, and Kasvishon, this is only one one millionth of one percent of Klai Yisrael, and you know people make mistakes. That that woman got me crazy. Hey, Meshugana, 
Hey, you're committing adultery. It's helping the other wife. I mean, we are, what, what drug are you on? Like, what are you talking about? Like, out of your mind? Like, what are you? I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're stupid when it comes to HR, but that stupid is like that's crazy. That's crazy. But we, you know, we talk into you know Facebook. I get all the stuff. Like, you know, it does so much good. It does so much good. So like, it's the same deal. It's the same deal. You know, I'm on Facebook. I'm different. I'm different. I don't do anything wrong with it, right? Okay, it's the same deal. It's not a place for a Jew. It's the wrong place. But it, I do mitzvahs with it, right? So he sells us all these mitzvahs that we do. We make money. We steal money. Then we give it for tzedakah. We think we're doing mitzvahs. I'm going to read you a story about that tonight also. Okay, anyway. So so this girl comes to me, and, and she's not shaming a gear with this boy at all in any which way. She comes to me. She has a Shiloh. Okay. What's your Shiloh? My Shiloh is, this is godless. How smart the answer is. This guy that she's dating is a drug addict. This boy, whatever, smokes pot, a little cocaine here and there, a couple of E's, a couple of pills. She really likes him. And she finds that since they're not showing me the gear, he stopped doing drugs. You hear? Big Shiloh. So she became his drug. So instead of doing drugs, he's doing an Avera with her all the time. So she said to me, Pekuach Nefesh! Is Shaman Agia there a banon? You hear Lambdas? Shaman Agia, is that a rabbi's halacha? And since if I don't, if I'm not gonna mess around with him, then he's gonna die from an overdose or something, right? So that's Pekuach Nefesh. So is it Pekuach Nefesh Deiches Akol? And, and Shemini Gia, we're not really doing well, so Shemini Gia, it's only a Dirabanan, it's a Dirabanan against the Pukuach Nefesh. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my goodness. The Yetzirah is brilliant! She doesn't walk away after not being Shemini Gia with Oyve, I have to change, I can't believe it. She walks away, Baruch Hashem. I'm saving him. I'm saving his whole life. I'm texting the boy because since I started texting him, he started keeping Shabbos. And since I started meeting him in the park and doing all these things wrong, he got from her. What do you mean he got from her? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? This craziness. So, so what happened in this generation? The generation happens to be on a higher, I feel, is on a higher spiritual level. There's no question that girls, okay, today's girls or Nava, the whole girl, the whole world of girls is on a, I think is on a much higher spiritual level level than they ever were, ever, 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 ever. And that's why the Sahara had to come up with all this new stuff. Because just to walk over to a girl like, hey, you know, on Avenue J, hey, babe, what's going on? Let's hang out. You're like, excuse me, weirdo? Like, get out of here. You know? <laughs> Here's Wallstein's number. He likes to talk to people, you know. <laughs> call, call him, you know. Weirdo. But if a guy walks over to a girl on Avenue J and he's smart, and they're smart, oh, they're smart. I teach boys, they're smart. <laughs> they're hunters and they know how to get the little dairy. Oh yeah. They're very smart. So on Avenue J, guy walk over, he sees a girl and he's like, excuse me, you know where Landau Shul is? I'm looking for a mincha. <laughs> Hop into my car. I'll get you to the four o'clock minion. He's like, I'm in her car already. Hey guys, am I brilliant? I'm gonna walk over and start talking to a base jack of girl, she's gonna run away. I need a minion. You know, if they're really smart, they won't even tell you that they know about Landau's. Hi. You don't even yarn him around here? And she's like, wow, like Chava, right? Oh, you could go to Landau's. They have a four o'clock minion. Or uh, you could go to Shemeshabiz. Uh, where's Shemeshabiz? Where's Landau's? Uh, oh, I'm going that way anyway. And all of a sudden, he's in her car. What's going on? Are you crazy? You let a boy into your car? Because you're taking him to minion? You're out of your mind? And the answer is, yeah, the Satan got brilliant. He got much smarter He's playing you much better because the story that I'm hearing, Sakanas Mefarsha is Darabanan Daraisa. I'm like, man, this girl can learn better than me. You know, she's Daraisa, Darabanan. What are you talking about? It's wrong. Finish, it's wrong. Because he stopped drugs because he should stop drugs because it's not good for him. You can't do an Aveira to stop drugs. Not a Mitzvah Bum and Aveira. What are you talking about? That's, that's his brilliance. That's his brilliance. So, the anatomy of what I'm saying of the Yetzirah. So I heard a, a fantastic, Baruch Hashem, I heard this mushal before these two stories came to me. One of my Talmidim told me this mushal, and I'm going to tell you. And this was the end of our discussion with me with this woman. And because how, how do you answer someone that's even thinking in that direction? So I told her the following mushal that I heard a few weeks ago. To understand, I'm going to give you an explanation of who the Yetzirah is. So this guy, he's like in his 40s. 
And he finds out, Nebuch, that he has AIDS. Goes to the doctor, he didn't feel well, he's losing weight. Goes to the doctor. They find out that he has the HIV virus. Okay? He thinks to himself, the doctor says, listen, it's going to be full-blown five years. You don't got more than five years. You got five years with all the new medicines, you know, enjoy your life, you know, because the Goyim believe that, you know, life is here to enjoy, you know. Good times, good life. Bad times, bad life. So he really wants to be a good guy. He says, I have five years left. I'm this playboy, 35-year-old guy, partying my whole life. I want to give somebody my love. I'm going to get married. And the woman that I'm going to marry, I'm going to give her all my love, my attention. It's going to be the most amazing five years of this person's life. So he goes to a bar, and he's looking, right? And he meets this girl. She's 20, right? She's much younger than him. She's a good-looking, rich guy. And they start talking, and they fall in love with each other. All the time, the guy knows that he has the HIV virus. He doesn't tell her. So he starts to buy her minks, and he starts to buy her jewelry, and he starts to buy her cars, and his mom is taking care of her. She wakes up. He's there with her coffee. It's amazing. They get married. Her friends are freaking out. How did you get? this amazing guy they don't make guys like this you are so lucky, we wish we were you how did you find him this is absolutely, this guy his whole life, they're flying to France they're flying to Ireland, he's taking her around the world, they're going on cruises jewelry maids Never. nobody ever took care of a woman as good as this guy did she's in heaven her friends are terrible they're like, it's not fear how did you get him? The whole world's freaking out. What a relationship. Everybody that sees this is like, every girl is like, this is my dream guy. It's like, let's forget about it. They're married for three years. One day, he's away on business, and something in the mail comes from this research, medical, whatever. She opens it up, and it's a letter to him. Dear so-and-so, we've been evaluating your, your HIV virus, da 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 um, we'd like to do some, uh, uh, a test it's, it, it's, it's not going to help you but the further generations we want to do some genetic testing whatever it is she's reading this she's saying it has his name on it but it's got to be a mistake I mean he would tell me if he, if he had the HIV virus what, is he crazy like what are you talking about like, no way this can't be right so she, she puts it in the, in the cupboard he comes home she walks over to him she says you know we got this weird letter you know, that they want to use you, uh, genetic testing, that you have the HIV virus. He says, let me see the letter, let me see the letter. Is it a cure? Can they do something for me? She goes, what did you say? Can they do something? Oh, my goodness. She says, you have the HIV virus? How long do you have it? He says, three years. You mean you dated me? You had the HIV virus? He goes, yeah. Are you crazy? You murderer! You killer! How dare you not tell me? We've been together so many times. Now I have it! He says, calm down, babes. Haven't I been a great husband? Did I buy you jewelry? Did I buy you mink coats? Was I there every morning? Did we travel the world? What are you getting so excited about? Calm down. She turns to him, what are you, crazy? I'm 23 years old. You're going to get, you, 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 you're going to thought in your head, you're going to give me from 20 to 25, and then I'm going to die. I'm going to be happy. I want to live till I'm 100. And now I have the virus. I'm only going to have another two years. I have, I must have it for three years since I married you. You're out of your mind. You think that, that you're making me happy for five years is a trade-in for being a regular girl for my rest of my life? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you give me the choice? When you met me, why didn't you tell me you were HIV? He says, because if I told you I was HIV, you would have ran for the hills. You would have never gotten to know me. He's a murderer. He's a killer. He's a lowlife. He is selfish. The most selfish person in the world. How dare he do this to somebody? No, you would take a marshal. This is the Eight Sahara. It's a horror after 120 years. He's like, what are you, what are you talking about? You took me to this party. You took me to that party. I did this Avera. I did that Avera. The Yitzhara says, 
but, but you destroyed my net, my neshama. My neshama has AIDS. I can't sit with all the tzitkaniyais in the next world. I gotta sit outside the, outside the curtain. I gotta sit in Gehenna while Chatzashalom spinning around the world with no place to rest. The HR says, no, no. So Miriam, it was so bad. We partied for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. We had a good time, me and you together. We went to movies. We were on the internet. We hung out. We weren't shame of this. We weren't shame of that. We didn't do any. We had a great time. What are you complaining about? And then the shepherd says, what am I complaining about? You gave me 70 good years if you gave me that long? And now I'm dead in the next world forever? You killed me. You destroyed me. Too late. Too late. You should have asked first. When you first met him. What's the payment plan for what I'm doing? That's the Kayak of the Eight Sahara. Every Avera is a dose of age into your neshama. It's a killer. It's a killer. Every Avera is a killer. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Comes Elo. Get rid of the disease. See the Yitzhahara for what he really is. Yeah, he's telling you a good time. Yeah, he's your best friend. But for a very short amount of time. In the next world, he's not your best friend. In the next world, he's your prosecutor. He's the guy that's going to put you away. He's the guy that's going to say, when, you're, when your good mouth says, well, she didn't mean it, he's going to go, what do you mean she didn't mean it? I was in her head. Oh, did she mean it? Oh, did she enjoy it? He's you. He's in you. He's part of you. You can't deny. He's, he's part of the Avera. He's the guy that runs up and prosecutes you on Rosh Hashanah. Your best friend that's taking you to all these places. You're having a good time. Sure you're having a good time. But your Nisham is getting AIDS, Chas Shalom. It's getting a virus every time you do an Avera. Play on words. A virus, a virus. Okay, you missed it. You're all sleeping. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it's a funny word, a virus and a virus. It's funny how they made that, right? Isn't that funny? A virus is a disease that there's no antibiotic for. A virus, a virus. How come they came up with that word? I don't know. It just came to me. I have no idea if it has anything to do with it, but I see you're all very upset right now on that story, so I gotta like calm down a little bit. But it's very, 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 very true. And that's what I told these two women. I said, sure you're helping his wife by committing adultery. Sure. What are you out of your mind? What's the Yetzirah selling you over here? That you're having a good time? That you're enjoying it? In the meanwhile, he's destroying your neshama. You're being with this boy. You think you're helping him because of his drugs and all that. You're destroying his neshama. You're destroying your neshama. What are you doing? Okay, we can't end with that story. So, there's, um, last night was the, was the yard site, actually last night and today was the yard site of the Benish Chai. And I want to say over Le'ili Nishmas, a story from the Benish Chai, which is also on Tshuva. And then I'm going to read you something that, you know, there, there's a safer called the Noyam Elimelech. Many women know about the Noyam Elimelech. You're supposed to put it under your pillow when you're in labor. It helps you give birth. It, it's a Kabbalistic safer. Nobody understands. There's, there's no one around that, that understands the Noyam Elimelech. It's written so deep and so hard. Somebody translated it into English. So I bought the English. I want, I know I wouldn't understand anything I'm reading, but I'd like to, you know, just understand some, maybe, maybe the translation of the English words. So I opened it up two nights ago. Just, it was sitting on my desk and I opened it up and it opened up to a story. Now, Noyam Elimelech is not full of stories. It's full of Kabbalah. And I want to just end with that. I'm going to end with that story. It's a very short story, but it's scary. And it taught me something amazing. But before I get to that, I want to tell you a very short story from the, from the Benish Chai. Lili Nishmas, the Benish Chai, if he needs a Lili Nishmas, whatever, for his zikaron of the Benish Chai. So he said the following story. And it's about Elul. Does everyone here understand my answer now about Elul beginning, Elul end? That, 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 the begin, it's the, it's, it's, you're, you're building, in the beginning of Elul, you're building the top floor. That, that my relationship with Akash Baruch Hu. And then from there until you get to the end, it's just being able to support that decision that you made. And most decisions that you make in a moment stay forever. Decisions that took you forever stay for a moment. Usually the way it works. Right? I can tell you in my life, certain things I made up, I'm not going to movies, it was over. It wasn't because I went to a speech, but I made a decision, movies are over. You could stand on your head. Now I have to figure out, am I going to movies, how am I going to fill up that time, whatever, fine. But the decision, that's the power in the spiritual world, that's the moon, that's the sun, it needs no support. It's just, it needs a decision and it's there. Okay, so he says the following story. He says the story, there was, there was a, a king who was very, very wealthy, and he had a huge vault. One day this guy decides he's going to dig a 
tunnel into the vault, and he's going to rip off the king. So he goes and he digs a tunnel, takes him a week from his house to the palace, underneath the palace, underneath the vault. He comes popping up in the middle of the night, like 2 o'clock in the morning, right? And the fool didn't have a GPS. He ended up three feet left of the vault. So he comes out, the vault is over here, and he comes out over here. In the middle of the hall, in the king's hall, comes popping up, you know, opens the rack, comes popping up. Shalom Aleichem, I missed. So he's there at 3 o'clock, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. He says to himself, to go back and start digging to get into the vault, I'll never make it. So he closes the, 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 the slate rock, and right? He goes back down the tunnel, goes home. He messed up. The same night, from the other side, another guy has the same idea. I need to get into the king's vault because they heard that the king that weekend, whatever, had crazy stuff in it. He digs, he's GPS perfectly, ends up, pushes the stone. He's in the middle of a vault. Beautiful. Lights his candle. He landed perfect in the middle of the vault. All this gold and silver. He's got this big sack. He's taking the jewelry and the crown and the money. And he's filling up the whole sack. And he's about to go back down the hole. And he stops. And he says, what am I doing? What am I doing? This guy, this king, he is such a good guy. He gives money to the poor. He supports kids who go to school. He's like the best king we've ever had. What am I stealing his money for? The man knows what to do with the money. What am I doing? No, I'm not doing this. Takes all the stuff out of the sack, out of the bag, puts it back in its place, goes back down the hole, closes it, and goes home. Next day, king comes into his vault. Starts walking to his vault, three feet outside his vault. He sees there's a stone that's loose. He moves it. A tunnel. Tells his guards, go down that tunnel, see where it comes from. They go down the tunnel, they pop up in this guy's house. They arrest him. Shugana dug a tunnel from his house to the king's palace. The king walks into his vault. There's another piece of stone missing. Looks in. There's a tunnel. Tells his guard, go down that tunnel. Goes down the tunnel, shows up in another guy's house. They arrest both these guys. So, the king says, my high, what's going on over here? You first. The guy who dug a tunnel and ended up three feet out of my vault. What were you doing? He said, I'll tell the king the truth. I'm not going to lie to the king. I'll tell you the truth. I wanted to rip you off. But my GPS wasn't working. And I ended up, instead of coming up in your vault, I ended up missing your vault by three feet. So I went home. King said, hang him. Hang him. We're going to teach everybody what, what happens when you try to rip off the king. The other guy's in the room. He says to him, well, what about you? What did you do? He says, you know, the king says, it's weird. I, I, I see the hole. I went back to I see you. It came from your house. But there's nothing missing in my vault. Everything was putting back exactly where it was. What's your deal? Somebody caught you. Somebody was coming down the hall. He says, no, king, I'll tell you the truth. I'm just as wrong as this guy. I wanted to rip you off. I, I, I dug this tunnel. I came in. I took all this gold. I put it in my sack. And then I was standing there about to go back in the tunnel. And I knew that I'd close it and I'd get away with it. And I said to myself, how can I do this? You're the best king that ever we ever had. You helped the poor. You helped the needy. You helped kids go to school. And I'm going to take your money. I, I just didn't have the heart to do it. King, do whatever you want with me. I put it all back. King said, wow, I have such a person. I have such a servant in my kingdom. He says, not only am I not going to punish you, but I want you to be my second in command because you I can trust. Because you were in my vault. You took my goods and you put them back. There's not many people in my kingdom that I could trust that once they're in my vault and they have my stuff that they're not going to keep it. You I want on my right hand. Ben Ishchai. Ben Ishchai says, this is tshuva. This is tshuva. The person, he did the Aveira. You have the goods. You did the Aveira. And you say to Hashem, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to do this anymore. I could do this. I could steal from you. You gave me life. I could do every Aveira. I don't want it because you give me everything. Hashem says, such a person comes Rosh Hashanah in front of Hashem and says, all the stuff I took from you, Hashem, I don't want I want you to take it back. I don't want, I really don't want, I feel bad what I did. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I have such a person in my kingdom? A person that not, that, that already is doing Averis and doesn't want to keep doing Averis? They know what it tastes like already. They had the gold in their pocket. They're ready to run. They're having such a good time in life and they don't want to, they don't, they want to give it back. They want to stop all this nonsense that they're doing. Such a person, I want that person on my right. That's a person that the kingdom needs such a person. You're guaranteed Guaranteed to have a good year. That's true. It's such a matana that anyone who doesn't use it is a fool, and not a fool, but also a rebel. Shem is giving you a chance to come to court on Rosh Hashanah and erase everything and turn it into mitzvahs. How could you not? How could you not? Don't be that man who got caught with all the goods in his pockets. 
Be the friend that threw everything into the river that did tshuva. I want to end. Noim Elimelech is... I never, I never taught in my life Noim Elimelech. Just for some reason, I opened up the, the, this safer. And, and don't go by this. Because, I mean, if you want to, you can. But it's, I, don't, I don't understand. I'm not saying you're not smarter than me. I don't understand it. So if you want to buy it, but it's going to... There's a lot of things in here that you should... It's just going to twist your brain and you're going to go in the wrong direction. It's not Noim Elimelech. It's not a safer that, you know, to be learned. But I opened it up and... I would like to read you the story that it opened up to. It's a very scary story, but uh, I'm going to tell you what I got from the story. She said the following. When Rabbi Elimelech was young, he had a very close friend who was a very, very big tzaddik. This young man, Rabbi Elimelech's friend, became ill very, very young, and it was clear that he was going to die. So Rabbi Elimelech visited his friend and found his friend crying. And he said, why are you crying? And he said, I'm crying because... I have a child, a very little young boy. I'm a young man. I'm leaving this world. Who's going to take care of my child? So, Rebbe Elimelech said, okay, we'll make a deal. I'll take care of your child on the condition that you will come back to me from the other world and you will tell me what's going on over there. So we got, we're making a deal. You're going to the other world. I want you to come back to me in a dream. Tell me what's going on in the other world and I'll take care of your son. Okay, so the young man passed away, and the Rebbe, Rebbe the Noam Elimelech, kept his promise. Rebbe Elimelech was Lizings, a lot of people go there. He kept his promise, and he raised the child as it was own. He taught him Torah, and he made a shidduch. The night of the wedding, everybody gathered for the wedding, overjoyed that the orphan, this little boy, is now a big boy, is going, to be, is going to get married. And they're waiting for the chuppah to start. Who's the Masada Kedushin? Rebbe Elimelech. They sat waiting for it, and he doesn't show up. And he was in the house, and his door was locked. And they peeked in through the sea, uh, through the keyhole, and they saw that the Rebbe's eyes were closed, and that he was smiling, and he was in meditation. And they didn't want to, you know, mess with his meditation. Okay. Finally, after three hours, Naim Elimelech came to the wedding. So they asked him, during the meal, why were you so late? This is what he said. He said, as you may know, the Chassan's father and I were good friends, and we were young, and we made a deal, we shook hands on the deal. The deal was, I take care of his son. He comes back from the other world and tells me what's going on. He said, I waited all these years. He never came back to me. He said, finally, before I went to the wedding, I said at Tfila, I said, wherever you are, I kept my part of the deal. I, I, I brought up your son and I'm bringing him to the chuppah. You didn't keep your part of the deal. You didn't tell me what's going on in the other world. And I fell asleep. And this man from the other world came to me in a dream and told me what's going on in the other world. I want to read you what, the, what he said. So he said the following. I'm sorry if this scares anybody, but it's in the Noim Elimelech, whatever I'm about. It's not a movie. It's not some guy that woke up and is telling stories. The Noim Elimelech is, is, is saying, this is, what, this is what this man told him is going on in the other world. So the other man says the following. When I passed away, I felt no pain at all. I felt that I was asleep. While they purified my body to prepare me for burial, they put the person in the mikvah, I tried to get up and chase them away. But I couldn't. It felt like a dream. When I was buried, and the mourners left, and I was buried in the ground, I got up and imagined I was still alive. I was surprised to be in the cemetery, and I wanted to go home. But I could not find the way out. I climbed over the fence to search for the way home. The day passed, the sun set, and I saw a small river. I tried to cross the river, but the waters became violent and began to rush back and forth. I found some wood and attempted to use a plank to get across, but the water was too deep. To my utter dismay, it began to rain hard, and my clothes felt soaked. I had nowhere to turn. On one side stretched the cemetery wall, and on the other side the river. The sun had set, it was dark, and I yearned as never before just to be home. I was so distressed, I cried out to Hashem with anguish weeping to help me. Just then a giant appeared who was tall as the heavens. He asked me why I was crying. I told him, I want to go home and I can't find my way. He said, I was a fool for thinking I was still alive in the world. He said, you are dead. He said, with that he grabbed me and lifted me up, placing me before the heavenly courts. They studied my case and found nothing wrong for which I would have to suffer in Gehenna. There was one small blemish, blemish that prevented me from going to Gan Eden, and they ended up putting him in between Gan Eden and Gehenna, whatever it is, and that's where he was stuck. 
the blemish was that he never went back to, to the Naim Ali Melech and told him what was going on. He had made a promise. So I'm not going to go through the whole, it's a little scary. So I'm not going to go through the whole story that he says, what he saw in the next world. It's not important. Don't buy the book to see that. You don't need to know, Baruch Hashem. You know, Mashiach's going to come. You're not going to even go there. But you don't need to know. But the point, that, and in the end, this, this neshama ended up going into Ganeidin because he came back and kept his promise. And he told the Noim Ali Melech what he did. And they shook hands in the dream. He went to Ganeidin. Noim Melech went to the, the Chasim. What I got out of this story, what I got out of this story, is something absolutely, to me, amazing. And I know why Hashem made me open the book to that story. Person is gone out of this world. You read the story, he's gone. What does he want? What does that person want? He's not. He's 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 under the ground already. It's over. Life is over. What does that person want? What did this? What is he telling Noim El All I wanted to do was to go home. You hear? The place that all our teenagers and all our children and all of us are trying to run away from. The last place I want to be is home. I want to be chilling. I want to be out. The last place we want to be is home. In the end of time, when everything is on the line, this neshama is telling Noam Elimelech, I'm trying to get out of the graveyard. Where are you going? Base Medrash? Where are you going? The library? To college? Where, where are you running? Where are you going? All I'm trying to do is get over the river, get over the wall, go through the darkness, get over the rain. All I want to do is go home. And all we do is run away from home. I don't want to be home. I don't want to be with my parents. I don't want to be home. You hear what a neshama, what a person at the end of time, all he wants is to be back home. Stop running from your home. Because one day, they're going to take us away from our home. But until that day, we can be home. And we can have kibbutz of the aim. And we can call our parents. And, 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 and I was just telling a girl this week, don't wait till Leviathan Shalom to go to the box, in the box, and everybody screams, Mommy, Daddy, you Michael me. I'm sorry for everything I ever did. Too late! It's too late! Tell them now before Rosh Hashanah when they can give you a hug and a kiss and say, I love you and I'm sorry. What are you waiting till they're in a box and you can't see them anymore? Everybody waits till it's too late. And then when they're gone, all they're saying is, I want to go home. What are we crazy? What are we doing? All we're doing is we're running away from my parents and my mother's this and my father's this and I, my, my sisters are this. And, and look at this story. The Noyam Ali Melech is not a storybook. This is a shaman from the other world saying that when I, when I was stuck in my kever, all I wanted to do was go home. Get me out of this cemetery. Where are you going? To the candy store? To the movie theater? Where are you going? To school? Where are you going? Where are you running, Neshama? Where are you running? I just want to go home. That's what I got out of the story. I just opened this book. I don't even know why I bought it. I know why I bought it. So all these kids that come to me and say, Yeah, my home, get me another house. I hate my parents. Here, you hate your parents? Read the story. You hate your parents? You know, one day you're going to love your parents when it's too late. You're going to want to go home. You don't like your wife? You don't get along? You have shalom bias problems? Yeah? Wait till you go to the next world. I want to go home. I want to be home with my kids and my wife. Now you're so busy running around, you don't have time for them. When it's too late, you really don't have time for them. That's when you want to go. There's no more time. I'm sorry if I hurt anybody in the room. I'm sorry if anyone's listening to this that it hurts. But you know what? Why wait till it hurts? Why wait to find out that the Yetzirah is giving you AIDS when it's too late? Now's the time. Now it's Elo. Now's the time to set your GPS, to know where you are, to know where you're at, to set where you're coming from. And then you can set where you're going. It's a new decade. Top shin ayin. No samachs. Samachs, no. It's new, it's ayin. Ayin toiva. Ayin's a big letter. It's a new decade. We're going into a new decade. May Hashem give us all toiva. May we know where we're coming from. May we know where we're going. And may we get where we're going. Salacha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.